In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, how to build out a malicious link clicker machine. Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we'll be exploring how to build a malicious link clicker. So this is a, another open mic podcast that I did with Daniel Edbert and Kyle Andrus uh, around how to build out a machine that you can then click on a malicious link with to do you know some kind of analysis, email, malware, rants. Well, I don't know if you want to do ransomware, but something that you get that you can go click on and, and see if a page is doing malware or if it's just a regular phishing email. That's, that's kind of a big first step there. And having that information allows you to then take some of those indicators and kind of search and, and look for any other potential compromises within your organization. Uh, a lot of this came out as some of the stuff I've been recently doing at work, uh, which, uh, yeah, can be very frustrating. <laughs> um, but uh, I want to sit down with these guys and kind of just walk through some of the things. So this is a little bit of a longer episode, and it's not as long as some of the other ones, like an hour and a half, but it's it's a good 35 minutes long. So uh, and, and the guys it, it are really great, and it, they, do, uh, they, do, they love doing this stuff and kind of telling their passion and their, and their voices and things like that. But um, we had a really good time talking about that, and I got some really actionable advice that you know I took to work and was able to start implementing some of this stuff so I didn't have to rely on them clicking on malicious links for me to get my job done um so it's very useful so uh yeah this is uh this is this is a a interesting one and uh yeah let's get right to it well and we you know we've been able to respond to these incidents it's maybe not in the most efficient and cleanest way but i mean we have enough and and uh we're, we're taking steps to you know be able to go home at some point in the evening even if it is dark and you've already missed dinner, and you're getting home just in time to kiss the kids. To, to <laughs> <laughs> um, but just yeah. in time to see them graduate from college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> you hope so. that doesn't happen. I hope that. No, I hope. I <laughs> hope for your children. I don't know. I, yeah, I hope. You know, when they hear this in 15 yeah, yeah. years, they're so going to be kid, so unhappy. Yeah, my kids are in the single digits. I hope I don't go to work one day and I don't see them until they're graduating from college. That would be awful. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bad incident. That's called a level yeah. three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a level 9,000. Correct. Um, all right. So part of the reason I wanted to have you guys is to, because I want to build out a malicious slink clicker instead of bugging you guys every time that you're at lunch or trying to go to dinner <laughs> to click on yeah, links for me. Fun. It, oh, I know it's fun. I will still share them with you, but it's like, I, if you're, and if you're free, but it's like, it's kind of like, well, we need to see what happens now. Mm -hmm. Like, so I need to build something out that I can go click on malicious links. And, and the, I think the biggest concern is not necessarily like phishing, you know, stuff. Cause I can just throw junk in there, but it's more like if they have like a malware dropper on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I have responded to incidents where their website, what drew, you know, dropped an exe file sure. on the computer. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, what is it? Redline for helping me do memory <laughs> forensics to figure out what exactly it was. Right. Um, because that made our day a whole lot easier. Um, but I, you know, I, I, 
I, and I started building a cuckoo box and I got frustrated with it and I only had about a day to mess with it. So I don't know if I need to go back to a cuckoo box or if I can just stand up something. I mean, you guys tell me what, where I need to start. It's pretty good for documents and binaries and things like that, but it's not really designed to visit a website and click on a bunch of shit. It's cookies. Nice. It is kind of complicated to set up, but once you've got it set up, it's pretty solid. Right. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want somewhere to click links that the important things are, the, the most important thing is to separate it from everything that is important, which means yeah. have a separate machine that doesn't have any critical data on it. Ideally have a separate network so that, if you infect this computer with some malware that talks over the network and tries to infect other machines, it won't be able to because there's nothing else there or it's firewalled off or whatever. Um, and then, that. <laughs> exactly, ideally, you would have a machine that would run a bunch of VMs and then you would be able to just recycle the VMs, right? You would be able to click on a bunch of a bunch of whatever you want to click on or run whatever you want to run, do all of your interesting magical things, use all of your tools, uh, click on all of your phishing links, and then be able to just restore it. So I think VMs are pretty good. Yeah. So, so, so I could show. I shouldn't use my work laptop in a VM. I should actually. I mean, have you probably should think about not using your work laptop. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. A separate computer I mean, with well, no work data on it would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's just like a convenience thing, right? So if I could just spin up a VM within my work laptop and go click on stuff, like that would be ideal. But like, does malware break out of VMs from time to time? It's or not out of the it... question. So I wouldn't okay. run the VM on your work laptop. I would. I would install so, a fresh laptop with no personal data on it. Don't sign into anything. Don't use it for anything else. Okay. And then on that, you would install your hypervisor, and you can you can put whatever you like onto some VM template that you can create, and then clone, and you know keep a master copy of. And then every time you have an incident, you clone you clone the VM, or you use the VM, and you, you having taken a snapshot, and you click on your links, and you download your documents, and you do whatever it is you want to do, and then you can press restore at the end of the day. And okay. ultimately, if you if something if you now if you find something particularly bad that does exploit some VM escape technique and owns your host, big deal. You can just wipe it and reinstall ultimately because it doesn't, you you haven't signed into anything. It's not a corporate machine. No data is on there, right? Right, you it just might have to like rebuild your VMs. It, well, a good, good thing you backed up after you took your initial snapshot, right? A good thing you, you put <laughs> it on cold storage somewhere. <laughs> You took a snapshot when you got done setting everything up, right? Right. <laughs> That's well, correct. And then backed, that, backed up that snapshot. So wait, can you pull... Okay, so I've never done this, but I imagine you would. Can you... So you could take snapshots of VMs and just, like, store them on an external drive or something? For sure. So you, what yeah. I do is... What I tend to do is I, I, I might install a machine, snapshot a VM, and then power off the VM and take all of the VM's files, uh, zip them up, and put them somewhere to store them. And then if ever you need to get that back, you can grab them off okay, your yeah. NAS or off your storage drive or whatever and unzip them and there you are. Ready okay. to go. So yeah, that's totally viable. Yeah. Okay. So what about operating system? Like when I'm setting up the VM, what what should I be looking for? And what what would I put what should I put on the host machine too? Oh man, oh, those man. are good There's questions. So many tools. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, a lot of it is is a matter of what your goal is and also what your personal preference. You click is, on right? malicious links, man. If, if you're clicking on malicious links, I you can't really go wrong with Linux. It's difficult yep. to accidentally download and run something. At least then, um, and you can install all of the different browsers. You can see how how different how sites behave in those in different browsers. It's it's. There's no reason not to. It's free. <laughs> Which it's is usually nice. where like you do a lot of your analysis anyways on that Linux box. Yeah. Like and, and having like a Windows box and your Linux box in the same like, you know, uh, network that's you know segregated from the entire uh, yeah. network. 
the cool part is then you can just like point all the Windows traffic to the Linux box. You can fake everything. Oh, for sure, yeah. If you can so you can do, you can do all networking. types of like fun tricks so that you know mm-hmm. you can pretend like it's actually getting out and doing things even when you have like a fully isolated network. Yeah, you could run a DNS server on a Linux box that's got network connected only to a Windows machine or something. Yes, sure, all of the, all of these VMs. Yeah, you could do all sorts of stuff. Okay, I'm trying to process a little bit because my brain is mush. Yeah, so I was <laughs> but you just said you just said mm-hmm. push your Linux your, your traffic to your Linux that looks like Windows traffic. You could. So, Tim, how about I give you an example architecture for like <laughs> okay. a yes, please. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. All right. So you get your laptop. Whatever you get a you get a Mac, you get a, a Windows machine, or you get a Linux machine. Who cares? Whatever host operating system you want to use. Um, you, of course, you, it has no company data on it, has no personal data on it. If you if you lost it, if you wiped it tomorrow, you wouldn't be sore about it, right? So we don't even we don't even want this on like the domain either. Correct? No, oh, no, no. zero percent. Hey, hey, I'm just I'm just asking. Yes, I am asking a dumb question, but I you know yeah. I do that because. Right. But yes. you know, on on top of that, another there point are no to dumb make questions. Is the the reason for having your own internet um, too is like a lot of insurance companies that do cyber insurance. So they monitor like any of the corporate like IPs that come from your company and you can get ratings off that. So if you're testing malware from like your standard internet connection that the company's name is all over. For sure. Even if you're being safe you can, your practices, right? Yeah, like you're reaching out to like botnets and things like that. And you might get like, you know, someone like one of these insurance companies is out there monitoring for this stuff and like your company keeps hitting botnets. And then you have to try and to explain them like, no, 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 that's just the malware testing lab. I was just looking at things, you <laughs> know. And they're like, really, on the corporate network? Well, no, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's so, fine. So I will, I will continue with giving you an example architecture, Tim, that might illuminate some of the answers. Wait, I, to, wait hold on. Just, I have a question. Yeah. Yes. So I have a question along those lines about the sure. network. Sure. can continue on. So yes. if we have like a separate line that's like for a service, like just a separate service provider and everything. Sure. Yep. yep. That, oh, yeah. Yep, okay. and it's like off network. It's not that even off awesome. network. It's just yeah. a extra. No, it never. So this box that I'm that I'm describing never touches the corporate network ever, ever, ever. Okay. Well, so you yes. said separate. You said separate network, yep. and w- when you say separate network, to me that says like a separate VLAN or. or but we're talking about I mean, an a entirely separate, a separate connection to the internet. Yes. Okay. Like, gotcha. get, but so you 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 go to the Verizon store. Other carriers are available, and you buy a little Wi-Fi puck dingus thing. A little also like little, a Wi-Fi or little even... Wi-Fi little LTE modem. You get yeah. your separate what? internet connection. You plug it into your laptop. You ready? A... You ready? You, you ready to go? Well, what about what about um, what about a phone hotspot? Oh, you get a phone hotspot, <laughs> sure. <laughs> or you get a DSL line plugged into your house, or whatever. Right. right. Okay. Cool. So you have I your separate that. internet connection. You have your separate laptop that's off domain, and then you install your hypervisor. Let's, for the sake of argument, let's say you get a VMware license, right? VMware Workstation. You install VMware Workstation. You're good to go. So you have a, a clean laptop. Then the the architecture that I'm going to suggest I think is pretty robust and is pretty flexible, and okay. it is an architecture that I use. So what I have is I have a Linux VM um, that has two network cards, and one of the network cards connects to your host, connects to the internet. I guess you could have three, right? You could have one that connects to your host only, one that connects directly to the internet only. I'm getting a little complicated. But you have a second <laughs> NIC that you would use for a private network that I will describe shortly. So you have one network card that will allow you to communicate with this, with this Linux VM, right? You could RDP in, um, and you can get out from the Linux VM to the internet. So you've got a Linux, a Linux VM running on your laptop, right? Everything uh-huh. is good so far. And then the second part is you would install a Linux, uh, I'm sorry, you would install a Windows VM and give it only one network card and connect that NIC to the second NIC 
of the Linux VM so that the Windows machine can only talk to your Linux VM and nothing else. It doesn't connect to your host laptop, doesn't connect to the internet, only connects to the Linux machine. So you've got Windows is an, in an isolated place with one network card that connects to the Linux VM. The Linux VM has the network card that connects to the Windows machine and then a second network card that connects to your laptop and the internet. So you've got a way in and yes, to get to the Windows machine, you would have to go through the Linux machine, right? That's by design. And if, if the Windows machine wants to get out, it also has to go through this Linux machine. So if you set it up like this, you can do all sorts of crazy stuff. So, uh, is it, wait, saying, so, is, sure. so is the Windows VM inside of the Linux VM? No, you would okay. run them both on your host's hypervisor. You would just set up gotcha. a network. Okay. So they would, but they would all be connected to your host in that they're all running on the host hypervisor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're, you're again, that, that's some risk that you're that you're carrying right there. Yeah, if you have the VMware tools installed, if you have whatever whatever guest editions you have, you have the VM bus connection to your host. So that's a risk you're taking already, which is why it's important to not do this on a production machine <laughs> on a production <laughs> network. But if you have this setup, you can then run whatever the hell you like on your Windows VM, and you can turn in the internet on and off if you want to. You can flip the bit in the kernel to turn on routing. You could, uh, because your Linux machine is in the middle of the Windows machine and the internet, you could peek out everything. You know, your Linux VM would be acting like a router, and you could peek up everything, or you can set up fake DNS, or you can respond to requests that come up from the Windows VM however you like. You, you've got a lot of flexibility to do a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. Or you can just, mm -hmm. you know, connect the windows vm out of the internet and let it let it hit stuff <laughs> but you could peek out the whole thing right uh, right so that's that's the basic architecture that i think will get you through a lot of different situations and then you can click links on your linux vm if you find some windows malware that you want to uh dynamically analyze you can stick it on the windows machine uh safe in the knowledge that theoretically it's not going to escape <laughs> you know? theoretically yes theoretically and of course you'd have snapshots you'd have backups etc cetera, etc cetera. so if somehow your host gets owned which is not impossible you could just format it because and you wouldn't be sore about it because you haven't got any information on there that you want to keep right <laughs> right <laughs> making sense any questions yeah so what what tools are we putting on these these bad boys Oh man, so if you want to click links, it's probably important to have a web browser, right? <laughs> Whenever yeah. I look at phishing websites, I just honestly, most of the time, I just wget pages to see what they look like. I, d I don't visit them straight off. I might use wget, I might use uh, a, um, a custom user agent or something uh, so that it doesn't look like it. And just see what the page looks like. And then if it, if it looks like I want to see what it looks like in a browser, you could visit it, sure. But it's, it's good to get a, a lay of the land first, just to look at the source code. of Look at whatever file in a text editor is presented to you by the server that you connect to, be it an right. HTML page, be it a PHP page. Maybe it just shoots a, like a Word doc at you straight away. Who knows? If you don't like pull it down yourself and start like doing the analysis, there's also other tools out there that you can connect to if you're allowing your VM to connect to the internet. You could check through like Zscaler, VirusTotal, oh, sure, IBM yeah. Xforce, Open Exchange from like you know. Yeah, uh, you, can, Alien you Vault. can use all of What's these other, open source yeah. intelligence tools. I know there there are other places that'll be nice because they might tell you if you know like yeah this has been flagged as malware that's been blah 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 and they might mm -hmm. link it to other um, either domains that were also infected with the same thing things like that that might might be useful when you're digging around. Oh for sure, before you do anything, I'd absolutely tr like try to find out more information from third party sources about the uh, the thing you're looking at, right? So have a good, I guess, bookmark list on your VMs? For oh, sure. yeah. <laughs> what, and so what were some of your favorite sites? It was like Zscaler, you know, VirusTotal. The Zulu Zscaler is a, like a, a URL analyzer thing which tries to score, oh, yeah. make, give, a, give a URL a risk score. Right. 
And virus yep. total is the same thing, sort of, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. And IBM X Force, just because you know, got mm -hmm. some some of us in the store or at the shop have to love IBM. Yeah, I think you can look stuff up on X Force for free. It's like a, a reputation service kind of. Mm -hmm. And then I haven't used it, but I've heard a lot of people talk about using it as the open thread exchange from Alien Vault. Ah, yes. Yeah, I've heard about that, and I've tried to go use that, and it, I, I don't know. I don't think I've been to the right place, and I've, like, in the moment, usually it's like, damn it, I can't find the right link for this. Ah, I'm going to go, you know. Look <laughs> I always go from Alien Vault to, like, uh, an Alienware laptop, and they're still too expensive for me. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess some of the ones I use is, like, domain tools is good for looking yep. at the domain information. Yeah, who owns this domain? That's going to sometimes be interesting, right? right? Well, and reverse. Um, so sometimes we do reverse IP to see what else is what other websites are on the same yeah, server. Yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, trying to think. I'm trying to run through what I looked at today. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you what's this, a good all one. Of this is useful stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what's a good one. If you don't have an environment set up right away, is you can. I've started using save like website to PDF converters, mm -hmm. and I started like throwing links in there. <laughs> that, uh, have them convert and save to a PDF. So one, I get a nice PDF that I can use for evidence, but two, then I don't have to click on the link. I make these converter pages. Do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That, that helps you reduce your servers risk, or whatever. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that helps you reduce your risk. Then if the website somehow has some sort of strange auto-own exploit on it, then, then convert to PDF gets owned instead of you. That's, that's fine. <laughs> Which, yeah, fine, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> They've only been fishing sites so far. No, so. it's fine. If you if you get someone else owned, then you don't get owned. That's you can quote me. <laughs> but I would feel bad. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. If you, if you feel bad, then I can't yeah. help you. <laughs> uh, well. And then they start using that as a phishing website or a malware. Just uninstall the emotion chip. You'll be fine. Mm. That's how you do. That's how. That's how you do. Uh, that's how you do our jobs. You you uninstall the emotion chip. Yeah. And okay. then respond to you it. actually walk in and you just kind of hang it up next to your coat. Yeah. <laughs> Start the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you put it back in at the end of the day, Kyle. Maybe Sometimes that's where I've been going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what um? So what about proxies? You guys use proxies at all? Sure. Proxies are good. To so I. <laughs> I what are you using for proxies? Why can't I think of it? It's the most common. Are we allowed to say? Zap. Burp. Burp. Oh, secrets. I thought it was a trade thing. secret, man. Come on, there are there are two. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely the easiest proxy to like app just to throw on and start playing around. It is what? Burp. Burp. It, that it. Yeah. I mean, that has a community version, but I mean, I, I guess for like yeah. clicking on links, because what? I, yeah. What I like about that or Zap. Zap is entirely free. Yeah. Um, is that you can go look at the request and look at the exactly, uh, response yeah. and. Yeah, also, just capture every like the entire thing, which I then like would turn back, turn around, and use for looking through logs to yeah. see. Okay, here's what happens yeah. if you put in creds, and of course, when you're putting in creds, put in some fake creds. Don't put in real yeah, creds. That's um, correct. Um, I feel oh, like fiddler. Should, that's the other it, one. Yeah, fiddler. Yeah, fiddler is a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. um, I like, yeah, those are very useful. If you if you if a website is live and you can visit it and you want to. Uh, manipulate it and see what it does then using something like zap or or burp is is a good way to capture in nice viewable form all of the different requests it makes all of the different resources that are loaded things like that and i don't know can you get pcaps out of those things i'm not sure but it, another another thing you could do is take full pcaps which the the vm design of having windows and then linux and then your host facilitates right you can take pcaps at the linux machine 
and you know that they're not being messed with, et cetera, et cetera. So, so how do you go about doing that? Taking a PCAP? Well, there's yeah. always TCP Wireshark. dump. <laughs> Wireshark. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. depending on what you're using, too. Yeah. So, so, so Wireshark would probably be something that people want to install, too. Right. Wireshark is not a bad tool. I like Wireshark. <laughs> I, I'm, I will endorse Wireshark on, on this podcast, sure. But will, will you get a tattoo? Maybe. Maybe I've already, already got one. <laughs> <laughs> and it should just be a tattoo of just traffic, not like logo Wireshark. It no, be like just some like traffic. A, short, a short packet capture, which just has some amusing limerick encoded in it. Yeah. Or, or um, pictures of anime. No comment. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be a long tattoo. All right. Very long. Very long. Very, it's not, not right. happy about it. Anything else? There's so much. Because if you, so if you actually are able to pull down like an executable or something to play with, you can jump around in the dynamic or like static analysis, right? Mm-hmm. So, Daniel, just take it away because I know that you've been playing with that space well, a lot more than I have. This is easy because I can just refer people to a previous episode of Exploring Information Security with block. even better. <laughs> yeah, so you can install a bunch of stuff on your Windows on your Windows VM and your Linux VM to to help you pull apart binaries. Uh, Tim, I don't know how, how in-depth we really want to go given that we have had an episode about this in the past, but there are lots of free tools that I find useful is at the very least a hex editor and debugger. <laughs> you know, hex, hex editors are free, debuggers are free. Um, there are even some free disassemblers <laughs> that are pretty good. Um, and with those tools and nothing more, you have the, the the tools you need to start doing some cool dynamic and both both dynamic and static analysis of yeah. weird binaries. Procmon, Procta, there's all types of crazy stuff. System tunnels tools are really good yeah. too, for sure. Yes. But there are a million little tools. Like I said on the other, on, uh, in the past, there are a million little tools when it comes to malware stuff yeah. and reverse engineering. There are a million little, tiny little tools that do one thing, and the one thing they do is very unique, but sometimes they break, sometimes they don't work very well, sometimes they're really difficult to use. And so it's it's good to sort of, I like I still like getting back to basics and just using basic tools that do generic things, and then you can use them in specific ways. And in all honesty, like usually when I forget what tool I'm going to be using, um, Lenny Zelster's uh, website actually has a ton of tools listed. So if you ever get stuck and you're not really thinking of something, you can jump on there and he's got some some nice like quick guides that'll Mm -hmm. jump into like, oh, so what do I use for playing in uh, uh, PDFs? Well, here's all the PDF tools you can use. Or or you get like a jar file. What do you do for this? Yeah, Lenny's site's great. It's a great resource for jumping around. Exactly, and he'll give you like five tools. Right, you got a jar file. Yep. You need to. You can try that. You can use these five tools, and that's what you can use them for. I just found so. he's got like over twenty-five different uh, online lookup tools for potentially mm-hmm. malicious websites. <laughs> There's <laughs> so many. Good. There are what's so his, many. What's there his are... website? Whoop. There's that one. Wait, did you share it? No. Oh, yes, it's maybe. Coming. Free online tools looking for... Wait, why am I clicking on links? No, I clicked the link! Uh, yeah, so let's... Yeah, Zeltzer, Z-E-L-T-S-E-R.com forward slash lookup dash malicious dash websites. Okay, cool. That seems like a good link. It does. Doesn't sound shady. It's, no. No, not at all. That's not what we do here. We don't spread malicious links around. Yet. <laughs> Yet. It's like glitter. No, yeah. <laughs> it's like still, glitter. <laughs> there is still time. Don't worry. 
All right, yeah. So, and then the episodes that Daniel was alluding to that we did together was um, can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash EAS forward slash 91 and 92. Oh, man, 91 and 92. I should have remembered those episodes given that I was on them. Uh, I, I barely remember the episodes <laughs> that I was on. You were on all of them, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, I've included a link that you can put in the show notes to this podcast that will link to Lenny's website. So. <laughs> nope. Nope. No, no, no. You should no. Totally, hey, if you had I your sandbox, you could click on that link right now. Yeah. You we'll could. I went ahead and clicked on the link. I like to live dangerously. Good. And also, just to remember that when you're in that environment and you're trying to test a malicious link, you have to be just like the user, so you have to at least click five, six, seven times in a row. <laughs> oh, for okay? sure. If it doesn't work, if you yeah. if you get an error message after you put put in your email address and your password, you should definitely do it again because it, it redirects you back to the same login, but it's actually oh, that's for the problematic. site. You're in, you got to go back and try it again. You got to do then, it again, and then, and then and then when it doesn't work, even still, you got to forward it on to your coworker and have them go through it. Yep, you, you got to ask for help. CEO, ideally. <laughs> If anyone's going to be able to fix it, it's the CEO, right? Phone a friend. <laughs> I, I like to think that the CEOs know better. Tim, uh, that was a knowing. That was a knowing lap. Have I touched a nerve? Have I have I hit upon some an occurrence that you've that you've? No, have, I my CEO my CEO is great. He actually, I, I get regular phishing emails. He gets phished on a daily basis. So that's why I'm saying it's like most CEOs and executive suites they are getting phished regularly. Sure. So they have usually them and their secretaries. Yeah. That and and like CFOs and yeah, just mm-hmm. like I said, admins and stuff like that. Although I, we did start, I did start seeing some of like some of my peers getting fished. Like they, someone pretended to be their boss, and I was like, oh, "Wow, that's I crazy!" Phishing emails for the, for those. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good. That's why you shouldn't update your LinkedIn profile because so you should totally update your where you work. You put your put you you should update your profile, but put somebody else's details on there. Probably. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I've got I've got Kyle. All of Kyle's stuff is on my LinkedIn. I have a lot of your cards now. Oh no, it seems problematic. <laughs> it's almost like you keep shoving them in my backpack. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about? Oh, oh, and and Tim, you must enjoy the care package we created for oh, you. Oh, Tim, we send you a good thing. Oh, we got <laughs> there's we just started throwing stuff into that envelope, so I don't really know what all's in there, but oh, I look enjoy. For it. Enjoy, All sir. I'm saying is that if you don't have access to an MRI machine, you should probably at least x-ray it <laughs> yeah. first. Maybe, maybe as a compliment of this podcast, I'll record it and do like an unboxing. Oh, my God. That would oh, be amazing. Would be awesome. Oh, no. Don't, it's, just don't be under, it's just under one pound in weight. It is. It's 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 amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just asked for a couple posters and you tell me it's just under a pound. That's it's just we under sent, a pound. We sent you a kitten. <laughs> oh, I hope not, because it'll be dead by the time it gets to me. It'll be fine. It's probably Don't send me dead kittens, Daniel. Oh no! <laughs> I will report you to um, animal control. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the kitten. I think I think we've thoroughly covered this, and hopefully, been a little bit entertaining. <laughs> I hope hopefully. So. Do you have any other questions, Tim? Are you still concerned? Do you have any burning questions? I am ready to go build out my uh, my my malicious link clicker. Sure. I, I would like to endorse a book as well, but I can't remember what the hell it's called. <laughs> so you, Kyle, how about the Building Virtual Machine Labs book? Do you do you remember any details of this book? It's an amazing book. It's uh, all about virtual labs and building. It seems it seems relevant. Yes. 
Is that Googleable? Uh, it is. Go- I'm Googling it as now. we speak. I'm furiously Googling. Hey, I can see it. So you've had uh, uh, Chris Saunders on this show before, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So one thing that I really liked, uh, this kind of plays into your IR plan, um, is when you've never really you know, looked at all your tools, um, a cool list to make is to be like, take all your tools that you have in your environment, list them out, and then underneath each one, list everything that you can get out of that tool. Like, can you get an IP? Can you get a file hash? Can you get a domain? Can you get like, you know, this, this, and that? Can you get PCAPs? And then as you list all those tools out, you can then order them um, in a way that'll be like, okay, cool. So if I'm looking for an IP in something, if I go to this tool, I can not only get IP, but I can get a lot of other information. So the biggest bang for my buck is to use this tool first. And then if I got nothing, I can keep going down the line and use all the tools I have that look for IP. It's very helpful when things are on fire and when you start mm-hmm. finding tools that like you know are missing data and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't know if he did that specifically or if he kind of alluded to that. I can't remember, but I think it's an yeah. awesome little little cheat sheet to have on you. Yep. Yep. No, that's good because you can definitely jump down some different rabbit holes when you're. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and in the moment, you're kind of like, ah, do I look here? No, wait. Let me look. You know, it's like you start down one path, and yeah. So that's that's. It's good so easy to get structure. lost too. Yep. And Daniel yeah, can tell absolutely. you as well. Like you start doing, you know, reverse engineering any piece of malware sample, and if you're not careful, you can spend hours on like nothing. Well, right. yeah, the, the, the skill of malware analysis is not to know every single x86 instruction and not to be able to tell what every single piece is doing without, you know, just not even seeing the code, just just being able to know, intuit what the hell is going on immediately. That would be awesome, but the skill is to know what you don't have to look at, know what is irrelevant. That is the important part, in my opinion. That's one, one, of, right. the, one of the more important parts that is tough to learn outside of just experience. Well, one thing from from I know from the pen testing side that I've recently learned, uh, particularly mm-hmm. on the web app side, is is to you you do five attempts or five tries, or no, it's five minutes or five tries, and if you can't get something by then, it's time to move on. So like well, that's not the make, case when you're setting up cooker. You need a little more than five minutes, <laughs> right? Right. But sure. Right. But <laughs> right. What, five what minutes I, or five uh, tries for pen testing. Sure. Right. But w- w- what I'm getting at is that it mm-hmm. it you know don't spend too much on one thing when. There might be you might be missing out on you know another avenue or another path that you can take. Yeah. Um, to to find something of either usefulness or you know relevance. I like that this guy's name is Mister Tony V Robinson. Yes, Mister. And not Tony just Robinson. Tony V Robinson. That's right. It's so, so, Mister. So t- Tony Robinson's Building Virtual Machine Labs: A Hands-On Guide book is a book that. I wish had been published when I started doing this because it would have been very useful. But it, it is, it's not malware specific. Um, it's not security specific, really. But it is um, a, a good primer if you don't, if you, if you need a hand, if you feel like you're lost in terms of making virtual machines and how to set up all the networking and stuff like that. It is a very good primer, a very good follow along type guide that will help you through if you've never done it before. And it is a, does this a great do, way to start. Does this include like? Does he cover home labs and stuff? It's essentially how to build your home lab. Is okay, cool. Because I actually just got a Twitter question on this. I'm going to send this link to there that you guy. go. Yeah, this book. <laughs> this book is about not is about a year old ish, something like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I wish that I'd uh, yeah. been able to read it when I started doing my job. <laughs> yeah, June first, 2017. So yeah. now I'm curious what else he's uh, he's written. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's it. But maybe we have some more from Mr. Robinson. 
Um, All right. Cool. Yeah, I think I've got what I covered. So um, as we're wrapping up here, I want you guys to introduce yourselves. I know it's a little bit awkward, but um, just introduce yourselves at the end. Uh, I've heard that actually people enjoyed hearing it at the end instead of at the beginning. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you can decide who you want to pay attention to. Well, I mean, it's it's, no direct information. I mean, no, I understand. Well, no, (laughs) if you ever listen to a podcast and there's like three or four guests on and they do intros. Well, they do intros at the beginning, and then right. you just forget who's who. Yeah. Yeah. That's correct. I understand. So, that's that's pretty well, you cool. You both have been on the podcast before, so regular listeners should know who you are. But just <laughs> in case they don't, <laughs> oh this is God, their first so one. popular. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, sure. who did I say you are? Yes. Uh, my name is Daniel Ebert. Um, I'm an incident responder slash malware analyst slash reverse engineer uh, slash... Uh, many different things, I guess. Uh, I have a lot of in- crazy interests. Um, I'm starting to get into hardware hacking. I'm very excited about taking these apart and and uh, getting serial on them and stuff like that. It's, it's a it's a new thing. This got off track very very quickly. That is well, the end of ki- introduction. What kind of serial are we talking? Like Lucky Charms or Fruit Loops? <laughs> oh no no! You, you crack your you crack your router open and you you find the UART pins and you you go to town. Yeah. Then you pour the milk in, and then <laughs> and you pour the milk in, and that's how you dump the bootloader. That's what yeah. I said. It comes right out yeah. the side. It slides sure. out. Yeah, the milk. bootloader will just like trickle out the side, and then you, maybe you can dump the the whole ROM. It'll be great. <laughs> that was a terrible introduction, but I'm only doing that myself. Was awesome. No, I liked it. Yeah. Oh, I'm out for some cereal. <laughs> I'm Kyle Andrus, uh, instant responder and digital forensic. So I do a lot more of the host-based forensics on Windows. Also dabble in malware when I can, but recently it has not been so much. But yeah, it's always the jumping from one fire to the other fire. Yeah, so I bet. I feel your pain. Any instant responders out there that get I thrown into the response? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they love clicking the links that I like. Oh to my make, god, so. they do. It's always <laughs> funny to see that. And be like, oh, let's see, they how many documents do they download of this uh, malicious uh, document attachment? Oh, it's like their numbers copy number six. <laughs> it just kept going. <laughs> well, well, Mr. Manager, the site was blocked by our proxies, but they did click on it 17 times. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you should have a talk. Yeah. That's Yeah, so do you guys typically do like extra training or or how do you guys handle that? That's probably the biggest thing that I think our company does really well is um we have a lot of uh kind of employee engagement and training. Uh, a lot of quarterly like phishing engagements and stuff like that. So we've gotten we've gotten an, uh, a lot of exposure to all of our end users. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it's still yeah. hard because you've got like a, such a broad spectrum of users, right? People that are good in IT, the, those ones that hate computers. So I mean, we've done a decent job of at least touching everybody. If you know well, what he means. Uh-huh. But having <laughs> having an internal phishing uh, program is is has been pretty good. Um, it, if nothing else, it gives you a bunch of data to play with. It gives you a lot of visibility. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, "Hey, twenty-five percent of people clicked on this fish last quarter. Uh, what can we do?" Et cetera, et cetera. Where should we focus? Which groups clicked the most? Where should we focus our security awareness training efforts? Where, you know, should we go and buy some online training product that we can then give to employees? Stuff like right. that. It gives well, you data. It's really good. Yeah, one, one of my favorite data points is how many people actually reported it. <laughs> Because yeah. like that's yeah, okay. Yeah. People click on phishing links. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. don't want them to, but if they report it, like, oh, I feel like I just did something naughty, 
mm-hmm. um, at least we can then respond to it and respond to it much quicker. This, the, you know, the sooner if, if, if they're like, Oh, well that was weird. And then just move on with their day. And then yeah. three or four days later, you know, after the creds yeah. have been yeah. creds or their machine has been infected. Um, that's a little bit harder to respond to and puts, yeah. you know, more people at risk. For sure. Yeah. The other side of that security awareness is, is having some infrastructure for you to internal for users to internally report suspicious activity or phishing emails or whatever it's it, it's a useful thing to have so that you can be proactively alerted sure right and it surprises right. you sometimes it surprises me what what the cool stuff that users catch you know sometimes the cool some of the coolest samples that i found have been reported by people who said oh this looks weird i clicked my phishing button it's really neat <laughs> they have a phishing button is that like a report button or sure why not oh, yeah you can get you can have a report button, sure, yeah, whatever. There's, there's phishing tools that you can uh, actually purchase, and depending on what like email you're using, like Outlook, yeah. it'll just drop an Outlook like button. So if they see something, they can click it. Awesome, because then it's really easy for the user to report the email, and you know, your IR team can get a whole copy of it. Yeah. Um, but it's also bad because some people just click on everything. Like <laughs> you said, it, it, internal communications. Like this is phishing. Yeah. And then like oh, it's a you, know, you respond sword, yes. to them. Yeah, you respond. I'm like, hey, this is actually not a phishing uh, uh, email. And then they report your email is phishing. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you never be too careful these days. <laughs> Darn security people trying to get me. Not today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. All right, cool. Well, thank you guys for for humoring me for this impromptu podcast. Yeah, and no that's problem, no problem. And hopefully we're we, we we're on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this will never air, right? Yeah, maybe that's not. Good. I don't know. That's we'll fine. see. Like that's kind of all over again. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait until because we weren't doing this at uh, at Converge. Wait until Converge is here. Oh my oh, god, yeah. that's gonna be. Fun. It's on. That'll be a lot of fun. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to yeah, do still it. Still open, guys, for Converge Beside Detroit. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, plug that, please. Please do. Yes, I just yes. did. If you haven't already, <laughs> uh, the CFP is open until about mid March or end of March here. Um, Which for this will probably release after that. By the way. The CFP is oh. closed if it's after March. Yeah, <laughs> time to Converge. But come I'm anyway. Actually, Tickets yeah, are booked. always open. <laughs> yeah, I'm booked out for for the podcast through March. So, if uh, <laughs> yeah, if it's still April. Uh, Converge B-Size Detroit is May 10th to the 12th. So, yeah. Get your tickets. Come. I will be doing a workshop. That's amazing. Yeah. You should speak. You should apply. You should. You should. I did. I I submitted to both. I mean, it's the same content, but I don't know know if I've been selected for CFP because it hasn't closed yet. But yeah, we should probably get on that. (laughs) I should probably probably submit my workshop. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't submitted your workshop yet? Nope. Oh. Well, get on that. Fully, fully do that. Get on it. Get on it. <laughs> sure. People have, people are going to tell me what they want me to do. Kyle yeah, has not yeah. given me very much direction. Kyle bullied me. Says, building a virtual. I, I said it would be great if we had some type of malware workshop that people could get their hands dirty with. Yeah. And then you're like, right? So you're forcing me to do this. I'm like, I. I That's am. correct. That's correct. <laughs> that sounds, Here we are. That's, that's correct. I, I will get one. people's hands dirty if I can. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't. Bring, I'm you, not love, bring you, bring you Purell. Other, other <laughs> sanitizers are available. <laughs> I'm gonna bring Purell now for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, feedback is welcome. Timothy.dblock at gmail.com. Uh, website is timothydblock.com forward slash eas and on Twitter at timothydblock. Um, also, what's your what's your guys' Twitter handles? At uh, not Daniel Ebert. And at Chaotic Flaws. Awesome. 
All right, guys. Thank you for joining me to discuss how to, or I guess it's like an open mic, which is actually a new format that I've done. I don't know if you guys have listened to the OSINT one that I released yesterday, but it, apparently a lot of people like it. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I expect this one to be along the same lines. Um, but yeah, I have it down as how to build a link clicker thingy. So <laughs> good. That might be the title fine. of the episode. Well, you get a um, mouse and you get a finger and you just, yeah. <laughs> you just keep going. It's not hard. I mean, really, everybody does oh. it. Wait a if second. You don't I'm work having... in security. If you don't work in security, make sure you click that click that link multiple like, times. I don't know if that's good advice, but you've given it. Oh yeah, Built good job. It's out there now. Well done. All right, that's gonna do it. Bye. Peace. And that's gonna do it, guys. Uh, hopefully, you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or you can hit me up on Twitter at Timothy D block. It's timothydblock.com forward slash EIS for show notes. So, uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a good one.